Hey fellow tennis nerds, in today's podcast I talk to Andreas Bergen, the global product manager of Luxelon. We discuss strings, tensions and everything string related. He has a lot of experience from the string market and in 2019 he traveled around the world uh, talking about strings and learning and expanding his knowledge and so on. So a very fascinating guy to listen to. I hope you like this podcast and if you do, please subscribe and tell your tennis friends. Ciao. We can kind of dive straight into it. You're the global product manager of um, Luxlon. Uh, how long have you been working in this role? Uh, a little bit more than two years now. Uh, I and started... your background is, is uh, you, you've been playing tennis for a long time or how did you get into this? Uh, well, my background is I started playing tennis when I was 10 years old, so almost 30 years ago. Um, just as a hobby, like all the other kids back in the days. Um, but it started to be more and more. And actually, my sisters were much better players than me. They were national selection. And I was the big brother who just joined them to the big tournaments. But I created a lot of passion for the sports. And obviously, one of the things that really helped in, in being uh, having this passion is watching tennis on TV. So I watched many hours of, of Sampras, Courier, uh, Agassi. And then evolving over all the years, then Roger came into the picture. Um, that helps a lot. Uh, I played back in the days. There were not so much much people who uh, are really coaching. So in the summer, we just played five to ten hours a day, just between the kids. Um, and when I was 16, I started with a little bit more. Uh, I played more and more competition. And then you you're 18. You need to decide if you're going to study, which I did. Uh, and I and I actually finished my uh, major in chemical engineering, um, but I was still still playing tennis because uh, I really liked the sport so much. At some point, I think my teachers were so angry at me that I was paying more attention to the because you always need to study for the exams during Roland Garros that I know more about the uh, the matches than I know about my my studies. So <laughs> that was a a funny time. Um, but that's also the time that people ask me like, hey, you want to teach a little bit or we need an extra teacher, can you help us? And then uh, I think I was 20, so almost 20 years ago now, um, I started to teach and to coach and it became really interesting because you see that you can really help people. And um, that's that's when it really took off even more than it was before. Um, up to the point that I start to work and uh, after one year being in, in the business, I, they asked me like, are you interested to travel a little bit? And when I start really traveling for, for the chemical companies I worked for, I, um, I decided to not continue coaching because I cannot give the continuity to, uh, to the kids and, and the adults I was teaching. Because I was not the coach who's only doing the high performance kids or whatever. I, I did kids from four years old doing all the summer camps. But it could also be somebody who was 60 years old who wanted to just have a better time on the court. But on the same day, I could do a, a 16, 17-year-old uh, guy or girl who really wants to increase their level and become a semi-professional. So it was a little bit a variation of all the things. And I think I like that the most. Um, and that helps me a lot in my position today, to be honest. Um, because you understand, I understand a bit better that the range of tennis players is pretty large. And I'm, I'm never focused only on like high performance juniors. Um, I know it's exciting and yes, it is, but you get so much more back sometimes from just kids on a tennis court or adults who just like, hey, I had a rough week, 
at work and this hour really gives me a good time i could relax and then obviously when you're older you're also having a drink after the tennis and then uh, that makes it so nice i think um, but at some point um, in my career i was i was almost 10 years traveling for big chemical companies and it was super nice you meet a lot of people you see amazing places and I was lucky that, that sometimes I had customers who are into tennis. So I tried to play all around the world and taking my racket in the, besides my suit. And at some point I was like, okay, fine. Now I made millions for this company, but is this really what I want to do? Because in the meantime, I became a father. And I was like, no, let's do more what your real passion is, which was tennis uh, and is tennis. And I decided to to apply at Luxelon and like, hey guys, uh, you're not doing only tennis things because I was playing uh, since I was young with, with Luxelon, since I was 18, I think I started playing with Luxelon uh, or, or 16 even. And then they, they said, okay, you also have a medical depart department, the technical department uh, said, you know what, I'm going to apply for, the, for a job. I think I could fit in the company. It's not too far for me, less than one hour drive from my hometown. And um, we had some interesting talks and that's how it started. Um, this like, oh, this is some position we were looking for and we want to see how we can fill it in. Um, and that's when it started. And how, how is today to work with uh, with the kind of your your passion, you know, and, and you travel a lot, you see tennis, you, you're always around tennis. Um, how's that feeling today? Um, well, the beginning in the job it was more or less like it's like a small kid in Candyland. To be honest, you 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 suddenly start to meet people who are you were supposed to watch on TV, were your idols. You you start to meet them, but then apparently they're not as big rock stars. They're just normal people. Um, and there was a lot of traveling involved um, because it was a new position. Uh, important to know here is that Luxlon is an independent company in Belgium, but we have a global agreement with Wilson. So Wilson is our exclusive distributor. So the main focus of the job is to support the people of Wilson and how we can increase the knowledge of strings and, uh, and at, the, at the people from Wilson, but also at the end consumer. Um, and after the first months, that was really learning also know the products better. Um, obviously, I was, I was still playing a lot because yeah, to know, to talk about the products, you should play and then I'm starting to play test more and I, I was switching strings every two days just to get the feeling that's much easier to, to talk to the people about. Um, in 2019, I traveled about 120 days for Luxelon, so quite a lot. I've been all over the place at a lot of tournaments, uh, but not only just to watch uh, the nice matches. It could be that I've been three days on a tournament and I didn't even see one full set. That, that almost never happens because you're meeting so much interesting people. And a lot of the times I try to, to talk to the, the stringers because they are the people who really work with our strings and, and you can learn a lot from them. And uh, we try to share information that was the, that, of that is still super exciting. Um, of course, now we have a Corona or COVID story in 2020 uh, that made it completely different. And uh, well, traveling for almost 15 years now, suddenly the last trip for me was Indian Wells and uh, we were going to Indian Wells for a new project. When we arrived from the airplane, we were sitting in the cab to the hotel 
at that point we received a message like listen sorry in your mails is cancelled so that was the last real uh, <laughs> trip i did uh, this year um, but I'm, I'm really hoping that 2021 we can be back uh, traveling around um, especially now there were opportunities to go to tournaments but because they were so strict that the entourage of each player and and the they really want to limit the amount of people on, on site so that we totally understand and, uh, and people are focusing on different things. But let's hope 2021 will be <laughs> much better in that way. So, um, yeah. Yeah, let's hope. Um, when you, uh, in your role, do you, I mean, you, you meet a lot of people, you talk to stringers, you talk to players. Um, how involved are you in the product development? Is that your main goal to develop new products for, for the upcoming years or, or what's your kind of day-to-day -day focus? Um, day to day, I, I have several positions because it's pretty open. It's not uh, as fixed as it as it looks for bigger companies. Um, what I do do uh, today is, is really a large part of my job is to, de to develop together with R&D manager the new strings for for the next the next generation strings. So my first big project was was smart. Um, that was totally different, and now we're working on, on other products. So what I do is I receive strings from R&D, I put it in my racket, I playtest it, I developed an international playtesting team who, who gives me feedback as well. I take all this information and then I go back to R&D and we go back and forward until we like, okay, what is the goal um, and how much difference can we make with a string? Because obviously it's what is the, the, the type of player we're targeting or... Uh, you can imagine if we developed the 4G in the past or, or Luxon did, that's totally different target public as, as for smart. So you need to have a, a group of players that you can talk to. Um, and in my job as, as well, being in the market in different countries, you start to understand that I'm located in Belgium. Belgium tennis market is one thing. We, we all got raised almost on clay court. Once you go into the US, the story is so different. Uh, but even if you go to the, to the south of Spain, People are playing slightly different tennis, but then you're traveling to Asia, you notice like, hey, tennis is still the same sport, but things are different. And, and I need, need to take all this in consideration. So besides playing the strings, it's also about uh, understanding better the markets, the global markets. So you need to get contacts. If you travel, you need to develop relationships with people that they're like, hey, what's going on in your market? And especially now, like, hey, which countries are today still playing tennis? Um, but in the development, um, it's not only my personal uh, opinion, but um, I, th I think, and now we're coming back maybe to what I did in the past, I'm so passionate about tennis, I was never the best player, for sure not. Um, but what I could do is, um, I was always focusing on, on technique, I can delete all things on the court, like the movement and everything, and just focus on like, okay, what does the string give me uh, in this kind of racket? And I think that's a big advantage. I think there are people who play much better tennis, for sure. But they, they're working on, like, where do I hit the ball? What is the tactics? How fast do I play? And I'm focusing, like, what is the difference between string A and string B? And, and how should a normal consumer uh, feel it? That's something I think I can relate that to my background as a chemical engineer, so a more scientific approach. That, that is really helping. Um, and that's one big part of, of my job. Um, what will we do new in the future? So something, okay, we want to, to see like, how can we 
give better experiences to the to the consumers is that we want to do more things on court not the classic demo things where you have a lot of people on a court um, which is super nice but then it's more a fun factor and they have a quick tryout but we we want to go more to like hey let's do it invite only only limited amount of people which you give the full service like hey um, now we're going to do a play test only with you eight people on two courts and focus really on the string and let, let's leave the rackets and all the other things behind. I'm just going to give you the experience about tennis strings. So that's the next step forward. Um, what is interesting on that part is that if you talk to these people, um, then you get also a lot of feedback. Like you have sometimes things in your mind and people give totally different feedbacks. And it's my job to, to understand what do they really mean? Like it's soft, but what does it mean it's soft? Or I have a better feeling with it of what does it mean to have pocketing in the ball or these things in different languages, obviously, they always translate into English. And that you need to try to translate into useful information from R&D to R&D. I think that's um, that's not always easy, but that's that makes this job super exciting, to be honest. Um, yeah, it sounds, uh, sounds like a lot of fun. And you're obviously testing strings and and tensions and so on all the time and you always use the same racket or is uh, do you switch that as well um well i i um, i played all my life uh, in pro stuff so from wilson that that's the the racket i know the best so obviously this is the racket i'm i'm using for my first test but depending on which target public i'm going to switch the rackets as well um and mm -hmm. and here i'm always thinking like hey i was coaching beginners like uh, four girls graduated like oh we think tennis is fun that's a totally different way how to approach a 15 year old kid who really wants to, to grind the ball and and, and want to go train 10 hours a week they, they obviously do also different racket so i do play test all with different rackets but i always have my fixed rackets where i'm now like i can compare it so i've done the same rackets where I'm always using my standard fix-up string. Uh, so I'm comparing it, for example, in this case with Allopower, or this is the reference in the market for that kind of target public. Um, and then depending on the racket, obviously the, the most difficult thing here is that you have not unlimited amount of rackets. Um, I do cut a lot of strings out. Um, and the difficult thing is because you're playtesting so much, and obviously I'm trying to to do the same with the products from the competition. So to see, hey, what are the what is the new string coming out from that brand? Okay, what does it bring me? Or is it that good as they explained? Or they claim it's more spin, more power, or less control? Or do I feel the same, like what they write on the packaging? Um, but at some point, you're, you're almost getting lost. Like, there's so much out there that it's something like, it's, I mean, that could be only the, the one thing I can do in my job. But I, I try to, to limited amount and, and think twice before I'm putting strings in the racket and what do I want to learn from each test I'm doing on court um, and how long you spend time on court. So you need to develop a little bit your own system in that. Um, is it perfect? Probably not. But right now it's uh, it's it's working pretty well. Um, and the most difficult thing and that that's I also would like to know your opinion about it is actually what is the right way to do playtesting? Um, I think for each person it could be very different. Uh, some people just want to hit one hour balls, that's it. And they do what they always do. 
or you're going to focus only to a cross-code forehand or only a cross-code backhand. Uh, what about volleys? How important is the string if you play testing for, for the serve? So I think that's always an interesting thing. Or you're just practicing or you need to feel the strings when you're playing a match. So you're much more under pressure. Um, that could be could be very different. So what do you think? Yeah, you raised some good points. I think it's it's uh, it always helps me to try all kind of aspects of um, mainly racket or string uh, when I play test. So it's like you try whatever cross courts, volleys, serves, anybody also play some competitive points when, when the tempo is a bit different and you're a bit more pressured because then you realize like, okay, I'm not, for example, if you have swing weights in rackets, maybe you're, you're 100% comfortable hitting uh, with a certain swing weight from the back of the court, but then as, as soon as you get into a match match situation, you're you tense up a bit. You're not your swing is not as fluid, and and you uh, the swing weight becomes an issue. And then you might know that for this type of player, for this type of level of player, uh, this might not work. Same with a string. If you have a string that's quite powerful, might feel really nice from the back of the court, but as soon as you're you're up at the net or you're playing touch shots or you're tight in a match, I think it, it might not be the right string for that situation. So you, you, you need to see that from different uh, perspectives. Also, of course, it's always good to get different hitting partners or different spins uh, when you when you try. If you always get a flat ball, it's it's also you, you would hit it slightly differently than if you get like a lot of spins. So it's good to ideally have different spins as well. Um, do you use like a... Um, do you always play with hitting partners or do you use like a ball machine or you, you mix it up? Um, right now I'm, I'm playing a lot with the, the new product, the Slinger Bag, uh, because there I take out almost all possibilities and to make it very simple, it's always the same shot. So I'm doing the yeah. forward cross, the back end cross, just very basic, but I could do it easily a thousand balls. So <laughs> then, then people are like, are you really completely crazy? I'm like, listen, but I'm, I'm really focusing on, on the string and and do it but i think in, in when i do play testing i do play with other people obviously as well uh, but at some point people are like are you switching so many rackets every time and and i, I did one a few times i tried to play matches and i switched every four games but the issue you have is that, that one game you're playing with for example 4g super controlled and the next four games you're playing with alu power which is giving full power so the ball is flying one meter further so i'm like oh um, and, and then there was a tension difference on it as well. So I need almost two games to adapt to it before I'm, uh, I'm back in my game. So that was not always the, the best choice for what I want to do. Um, but what I noticed when I'm talking to people and also when, when I'm doing my, my new kind of events is that people intend to hit super hard. The first hits, everybody's like, bam, bam, shooting at at least 90 to 100% of their power because that's how people think they should experience a string. I do agree that you have to experience for a short time, but I think you should always go to your average medium shot level. So let's say it's always 70, 80%. The shot where you feel comfortable that you normally not miss, or at least you can hit for a longer time. And that gives you the ultimate feel or what you're looking for in your racket um, and in your string. That That's one thing I, I think people are doing sometimes different. And, and the other thing I see when, when playtesting, and, and that's the, the, the most difficult challenge, sometimes I'm asking R&D, like, listen, I don't want to know anything about a string. I don't want to know where it's going or what we want to reach. I don't care at all. The only thing I want to is give me the string. I put it in. 
give me is there a special tension range then i need to know otherwise don't don't tell me anything so that's 100 blind testing even mm -hmm. okay i i just stop like okay whatever the color is i don't mind the colors but that's that's really difficult if you know in advance like ah we develop a string it should give you more this or this or i'm going to do a play test with you and take five different allo powers or and then uh, you don't know you have no time to watch the string you just play then the whole thing will be very different um, that i've been noticing um, and that's so if you know in advance what you will get you your mind is already like oh i supposed to feel this do i feel it so you're looking for a certain feel or a property from the string um i'm i think it's not always the best way so one of the things i'm i'm doing now in my string testing experience on court with with, with consumers and coaches is that I'm not telling them what they will have in their hands. Okay, I cannot change the color of a string easily, so otherwise it would be perfect to have all white, or all black, or all gray strings. That could be a good thing as well. And then people just feel the difference um, because they cannot judge in advance, like, oh, this color, it plays bad already because it's in their mind. Um, I think that's something, um, if you just give it to them, then you get very different responses. Um, I also believe that not everybody's able or interested to play test strings. That's that's what I see as well. It's like, you know what, this plays good or bad, but they cannot give you the feedback why. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's, that's I think, very normal. Um, I see that a lot or I got a lot of feedback like, I'm not good enough to feel the difference. I'm like, yes, but just trust me, just play with two rackets and whatever you say to me is a good feedback because it's my job to translate it. Um, and yeah, but what I'm going to play, yeah, but that's not important. And that's sometimes very difficult for people to, to accept um, that they're just giving something and do whatever you think is good with it. It doesn't matter. Every response or even the strangest things are there. Um, and I think I have a nice example of, of a friend of mine. She plays, I think two, three years tennis. She's enjoying with her friends in the summer. And I gave her in the beginning smart, uh, one of the first ones as a prototype. And I was like, yeah, but you know, I'm not good enough. I just start playing tennis. I, I don't know what to think about it. I'm like, hey, listen, no worries. Just enjoy it. If you don't like it, I take your racket back. We cut out the strings and put your old string back in it. That's it. That's the deal we do. She's like, okay, fine. Let's do it. She plays. And, and two days later, I'm meeting her again. And she's like, so what do you think about it? I don't know, I cannot express it. It is different, yes. But you know what I like the most between the multi she was playing and the smart is like, you know, all the strings stays more on this on their spot. Mm, so for, yeah. for us, I mean, we're more into tennis. Obviously, a, a, a polyester string stays more in the spot and doesn't move as much as a multi. But for her, this was an eye opener. So if you're talking to the end consumer of a smart, this is a good reason and effect which i would for me is like i take it for granted but for these people it's a different different view so that's when i'm, I'm really learning from end consumers or like i get different insights it, it doesn't always have to be like the the pro player or whatever to to give you sometimes the eye openers i think that's that's the interesting part about the job as well yeah and i think i mean different demographics um yeah need different things and, and for her that might be a huge thing that impacts uh, her confidence in the string or 
just annoyance of moving back strings or, or and and for uh, for someone else it might be you know they would never use a multi um, and yeah. so on and the same when you introduce like a hybrid setup to someone uh, with a multi and a poly for example they they're a bit like oh i never did this and then they try it and they're like oh this is much better for my arm you know i'm feeling better when i'm hitting with this uh, so it's it's always different levels and it's always fun to kind of introduce and get some kind of feedback even when i I kind of uh, give out demos for players to try here. I, I always tell them like, you know, whatever you feel, just tell me. And then I'll also try to translate it into my own head. Like if that player is a 3.0 or a 5.0, um, doesn't really matter. It's the feedback I'm getting that's quite interesting, you know. Exactly, exactly. And and it's, there's not that many people who really play testing strings. And if they do, I've I've got the feeling that if people are really playtesting on their own, they are going to all the the websites, all the forums, and they're reading so much um, that you sometimes I think you can get lost because there's so much out there, um, and and sometimes it's difficult to to understand like what does it really mean, um, yeah. and, and and there it's difficult to I wish somehow we could to tell it more to the people like listen, strings can play with two different things, so it could be black and white difference almost. It's like take a different racket and the string will play different, but take a different tension, the string will play different. I uh, I think I would challenge everybody, play your normal 25, take a 25 kilo and put the same string at 18. Besides the fact that you generate more power, the whole feeling in your standard racket will be completely different. It's a big range of, of tension. Um, and, and there people are like, yeah, but I know, I don't like it. Yeah, but did you ever play with it? And then if you ask really, then like, no, we never did it. But I think I know I will not like it. So this is something uh, I challenged with pro player. And I'm like, yeah, but why you you playing? I mean, it was a former top 10 player. Ladies, she's uh, she was about, uh, she plays 27 kilo always all her life why because of his historical reasons and i'm like listen the, the the game of today is faster we i think my advice would be to at least drop three kilos at least um and people are like yeah but but she will never accept it and, and you think it's possible so they did they did a blind test so they gave her three rackets 22 24 and 27 kilos the same string hollow power and um she played day one she played with it and at the end of the session, we asked, like, hey, which of the three rackets you didn't like? She picks the 27 kilo, her standard racket. Mm. Next day, to do physical training, whatever, no on-court session. The day after, restring everything because, yeah, obviously the pros, they, they want to make it. I mean, the test was, was pretty serious and, like, okay, it was in preseason. Um, the same thing, they played the whole day, training session, this, this and this. And she picks out again her 27 kilos. So she she disliked her own racket the most. So and we're talking about former top ten player or top ten player, and then we go to tournaments. First tournaments. So yeah, obviously we need to switch because we see the results. The coach was happy. We we changed, and because of non I would say equipment reasons, the results of the first three tournaments in Australia were or in, in Oceania were not that good. She's like, it's a string. So switch back to the old setup and that's it. 
So this is the this was for me a very interesting story. To you, you're seen on practice. The coach agree, everybody agrees in the practice session. Like things changed, and I, I I was not yeah well I didn't see all the practice things, but then you see once they're going back into the field as a pro, they're so locked up to their standard things that that this was the reason. Obviously afterwards now a little bit more than a year ago. Uh, one year later, we were like, fine, this is not the reason, but it's just they want to go back to the basics and wh- where they feel the confidence. And then sometimes it's uh, it's interesting how players are these small things could could have a big impact on their mind. Um, and, and that yeah, and I think it's they they grow into. I mean, most tennis players are really. Uh, you know, using always what they got used to and they're not the most open to testing new things. I think that must be a challenge for you, um, you know, trying to promote product or, or, or getting new ideas in front of them because they are usually quite skeptical towards any new new racket strings and so on because they're so locked into what they've hit like a million tennis balls with. Yeah. Uh, so that must be a challenge. It, it is a challenge. Um, but it's... it's I, I think, but I, if I would suggest, I would never approach them proactively like, hey, you should test this, this or this. Um, it should come from somebody they trust very much. Normally it should be the coach. And if the coach understands that there's an advantage to, to get for the next year or the improvement is not only physically or tactically or technically, it could be also coming from equipment parts. Um, for rackets, I, I cannot judge because I, I leave it to the racket brands. I think they're much more specialized in that. Um, but from string point of view, I think not everybody's playing the perfect combination for their game. But if it works for them, fine. Uh, the differences are that big. Um, I, I think uh, I can give the example um, Wesley Koloff this year. The beginning of, of this year, we, we changed the setup a little bit. Um, we, we played with other power in the mains and now element in the crosses. So we softened up the string bed. And uh, it, took, it took him actually a while to, to get the confidence there. But once you see the confidence is there, and maybe it has not only to do with the string, but it could be a factor that helped. And then he ended up this year with being number five in doubles and become world champion. Is it, it has to do, why, why was it, were we able to do it actually is because he has 100% confidence in the coach. He's working very long time with his coach and the, go- the coach brings it on the right way. So it's not me going like, hey, you should do this. This is never the way I think it should be done. It would be like you would trigger the player like, hey, just let's test it today. We're doing other things. The focus is not. And you let them get used to it. Um, and this is, a, I think, a very specific uh, way how to approach players or how to switch um, the timing, how you approach it. I think it's it's a very personal thing. So there's no standard way of saying like, hey, let's do it, switch like this or that. Um, that that's one of my ideas today in the market. Um, but I'm more than happy to, I think from everybody you're working with, you, you can learn from it. But the same is for, it's nice to talk about a pro player, but I, I, I prefer, maybe I prefer more the feedback from the local player who's playing 15 years with the same racket and the same string almost. And then you switch them and then they come a month later, they come to you like, wow, I didn't know a new racket or a new string could make this much difference. 
And I think that's the nicest thing you can hear. Obviously, if a pro player is having better results, yeah, that's something also nice. But it's also from the, the normal consumer or the coach who's saying like, hey, listen, I see my students now playing nicer tennis. They're enjoying the sport even more than before. I think that's that's the nicest thing there is. Uh, for yeah, me. I, I agree 100%. It's always nice when you when you get feedback uh, saying that the the racket or string you suggested, or whether it's adding a few grams of lead tape here and there, yeah. uh, when you get like really positive feedback, it, it it's a great feeling. And uh, some some players are just you know really open minded to to trying something, even if they play with the same racket for ten years, and yeah. then they come back with just being like, wow, you know, my arm doesn't hurt, or I'm I'm just playing much better tennis, much easier to get depth on the ball with this racket, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and especially because we are in such a conservative market, people don't want to change because, hey, it feels good, so why should I? Um, my end goal, if, if I could choose, I mean, a personal goal would be like, um, I like always the videos of this this 90 or almost 100-year-old people who are still playing tennis on a court. This is uh, this is my goal to to make sure that, that we don't have people who are almost yeah uh, retired and then they like hey um, i have much more time to play tennis and they play twice or three times a week even to keep themselves in shape and what i what i want to create there is that they don't have a dropout because of the wrong string or racket or equipment um obviously i'm my focus is on the strings um and that they keep playing for the rest of their life I think that that's that's a little bit my personal goal in, in in tennis to to make sure that people keep on playing or even young people who who are who used to play but, but maybe they stop because of their studies and then they want to start again but ah, how does it feel it doesn't feel well and and I had the case this summer somebody who just yeah, she was playing high level and then like yeah I want to play again can can we go hit some balls I'm like sure. And she brings her rackets, yeah, 15 years old, nothing wrong. But 15 years ago, the, the, the equipment was just different. Like, listen, what? Start with it. You're warming up. And then I give you a few rackets to try. I mean, she was, she, she, she could not believe what happened on the court. She was like, but, but how is it possible the difference is that big? I'm like, yeah, but it's normal. Look at the cars. 15 years ago, a car is not the same as today. The comfort, everything you get from it, and then, then now she's completely back into tennis. So that's so super nice to see. Like they forgot a little bit what they liked a lot, and with this small thing, it can can give them a step to be more people playing tennis. And obviously, that's what we want as as tennis lovers or nerds. Yeah. What What do you think is is the biggest challenge to getting people to enjoying tennis longer in their um their kind of elder years and so on is is injuries one of the issues what do we have any other challenges we face huh i, th I think in, in some point I'm, I'm now i'm basically mainly looking at belgium or, or the this this let's say western europe i think it's very sociable thing um i still see now in, in, the, in this special period people playing a lot but i also see a lot of people missing the after tennis because the tennis is a good excuse, and in Belgium it's pretty common. You have a, a nice drink afterwards. Uh, that's as important as well. Um, so the fact is that you create a, a nice group of people. It could be two, it could be four or, or ten people. You always play with the same same people. I 
when I was traveling, I always see, uh, and I'm sometimes lucky to be on tennis clubs, not in the busy hours, but also like on a Thursday morning. I love when I go to a tennis club on Thursday morning and you see, I think, 10 ladies sitting there and playing tennis from 9 to 11 or to 10.30, but then at least to do another hour of drinking coffees. And that's the part I like, but I think it's important that the group you can play with is it's large enough. I think that helps a lot. And, and with these days, when I was younger, I mean, we just said like, yeah, we go to the tennis club and we will meet each other there. These days, you have so many ways of communicating, like, hey, the WhatsApp groups or, or chat groups. Um, so like, hey, can we play? And then people react like, yes, no. Um, I think that's important that you have a good sociable uh, connections to play. I think that's important. Yeah, I think that's the case for for doubles in in the case of, of most veteran players that they're yes. they're more into doubles because I mean there's less court cover, it's easier to play, but there's also the social aspect. You're actually meeting at least three more people, uh, which is which is fun. And then you, I think most uh, most clubs would benefit from having like a bar area or a, you know a co- coffee shop or whatever, so you can actually sit down after the session and and uh, you know just talk. I mean now in COVID it's not that easy, but uh, um generally before it's always been been a bit more social and i think also that's the reason we see the growth of, of paddle tennis in in europe uh, yeah. at least that it's just like you're always playing doubles and it's even easier than tennis uh, being a tennis uh, nerd and a tennis fan I, I really hope tennis can can keep up and and compete also with the easier access sports because i think it has a, a, a better depth but uh, yeah for for doubles uh, for veterans and so on i think is is a good social sport you know but i also see like um, yeah but i also see like the small kids when you talk about uh, my son is seven years old uh what i do see is that if if people like kids started four or five already and then uh, they have the group but important is that the, the parents connect at some point the parents are just sitting and drinking their coffee or some people are making that more i would say time effective and they bring the laptop they start nailing it and then you have the other people are like, hey, but my kid is starting to play a lot of tennis and to have a better understanding. Why shouldn't I start? And I think there's a, an interesting win that, that the parents start to play as well. And then they start to following lessons as well. And that's how you can create uh, more uh, attractiveness to, to the sport. Um, because this group, they, they start to like, hey, it's not that easy in the beginning, but it's fun. And at that you get a lot. Um, when the kids are very young, then it's sometimes difficult. But you see that that it's also again the social thing that they they say like, hey, we're doing sports, and my kids is doing sports as well. Obviously, the club needs to have enough courts. Um, but that's that's what I see as well. I think that's an interesting uh, thing that me when when my son is having tennis lessons, I should do play as well at that time if there's a possibility, because then you combine it, and then afterwards you both finished after an hour like hey how was your game and then you can talk and connect with your kids i think that's an interesting thing as well that that maybe people should do more um yeah yeah that's uh, i completely agree i think that sounds um sounds like a clever clever thing how, how is tennis doing in belgium in general is it um is it still a very popular sport i mean you have david goffin and and there is um you know there should be some activity around the sport it's a smaller country i guess but how's uh, the status this the status is we I, tennis is still sport number three after soccer and cycling uh, we're all big cycling <laughs> 
uh, yeah, yeah. country as well. Uh, but tennis is big. And I was actually lucky to start coaching because I'm in the same generation as Kim Kleisters and Hine. And that that really boosted tennis. That's that's really a big boost. Um, the disadvantage, the only disadvantage I see from from that was that all suddenly a lot of parents think their their kid was the next Kim. Um, that I think that was a disadvantage. But in the end, if you see now how many people start playing or doing it, or if people talk about it, it was about Kim. Uh, Goffin is less popular. Um, but when you talk to tennis people, obviously they follow Goffin a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty popular. And I think I think with Corona, the, the, the sport became more popular. Uh, Padel is doing... I mean, it's it's a new thing. It's it's more fun for a lot of people to start with. But I I really hope that the padel and, and tennis clubs are merging, so you can create more time after the court and they exchange things and like, hey, why not just start to play tennis as well? Uh, I think that could be a win-win situation for both sports. At least that's yeah. that's what I hope. So. Uh, yeah, they should appeal to the same kind of audience. I think so. There should be some kind of cross. Uh, you could do like maybe cross tournaments where you have like, you know, puzzle matches and tennis matches or doubles matches. Uh, so you could definitely combine them and try to kind of help boost each other. I think that's the way uh, tennis could also kind of ride a bit on the wave of, uh, of that puzzle is, is kind of creating. Um, but back a bit to strings. I mean, uh, you have I mean, there's so many string brands popping up now it's like I, I get contacted quite a bit by different string brands and I try new strings all the time it's been quite quite uh, a focus recently um, how do you you know keep up with that and, and is that a challenge for Luxlon I mean you're the kind of most famous and most kind of legendary string brand out there or one of the the ones um, how do you how do you you know keep track of the competition and so on um, well, first of all, I, I follow everything online. That that's you you have to do it. Um, but I I can I do there are a few selections already. So my major focus is obviously polyester strings because that's the market we are in. Uh, a natural gut, but the natural gut is a story that there's not many people and we don't see many producers coming because it's it's quite com complex and it's handmade and you cannot do it everywhere in the world. So that part we are covered very well. Um, but secondly, yeah, there's. I'm very surprised to see how fast and how easy new string brands can be created. Um, but it's also because the, some larger factories around the world are just producing from the same machine lots and lots of strings with always the same standard properties. Um, I think we are still very different. We're producing in Belgium. Uh, we're producing with with a different quality i i can are we aiming for definitely a different quality i think uh, the pro tour is still proving it that that having more than 60 percent on the pro tour it there's a reason for it but uh i think and there i want to to, to tell you a few unique points we are having uh, in, in luxalon um first of all it's produced in belgium it's not produced in an, an asian factory and we just ship tons of reels here and we just relabel it that's one big difference um, if we produce we produce only one string at the same time so if you need to adjust uh, if you do your settings and once they're good obviously we run 24 7 so if we start up on monday morning we could run for two weeks the same string 
that that's something so then we run 24 7 that makes us also cost efficient um, compared to obviously asian factories uh, but if we only run one one string at the same time and not five or six because if you need to do changes to the, the quality of the string you do it on one string and if you have five strings at the same time you're adjusting for five strings so that that could be a difference um, and com, uh, con, continuity this is, so it's always a string has the same property wherever you are in the world i think that's an important thing as well but how to keep up with it um, it's not always easy um, you can put it in but i think there's still a pretty big from my point of view a pretty big difference in the obviously in pricing as well, uh, but that you feel it on court. Um, if, if we're going now, and, and that's the, I think the way we want to go is like, okay, basic polyester strings, there's so many on the market, but if you're going to look for co-extruded polyesters, which means not just the difference between Alupower and Alupower Soft, which is also uh, a difference, but if you compare an Alupower to an element, which is a co-extruded string or a smart, then you're using two different or more different raw materials to to create a polyester string. So it's still polyester, but with a different kind of setup. And that's something we don't see it's being copied a lot because it's much more difficult to control. And that's where we want to be different from the other ones. Um, and, and people sp speak about, yeah, I need a softer polyester. Well, Element and Smart are really softer, not just slightly softer, because you still have with the Alupower, Alupower Soft your same Alupower feeling, but talking to these strings, that, that's really different. Um, I think that's the way we want to go more. Um, do I regret? Um, so let's assume you, you like this different new brand a lot, but the question is, will this brand be available within two or three years or within 10 years? Or you're like, oh, I don't care. Yeah, fine. Then, then it's totally different. Um, it, it's interesting how things will evolve. Um, I hope. I think it's always some some persons who are like, hey, I want to have my personal string, and I think I'm going to make a lot of money on it. But but it's not that easy, and, and it's very local. Um, it's a little bit a pity, but yeah. It's a general trend we see in the world that you can uh, manufacture things pretty quickly and cheaply compared to what it was like 10 years ago or more and uh, and put your own brand on it and pay a factory uh, or an, a supplier and then have your own new brand and but then you obviously need marketing the product needs to be very good it's it's quite a, a challenge to overcome and to build a brand it's not it's not everyone knows how to build a brand having worked with branding for for many many years it's it's it requires investment but also investment in the product and development and and uh, it's it's quite a challenge, uh, even if it's easier to manufacture. Yeah, and the one thing what was really, I mean, I see the last weeks more and more and more is that that you you have some websites who are making copies of our products. It's nice that you you've been copied. Uh, I think mm. a lot of factories did it in the past. At least they use different names, but these people. It's probably Asian production. Uh, the reels are sold for incredibly low prices. I mean, 50 to 70 euros for a reel is just, it's impossible. It doesn't exist. So then then we get complaints and, uh, and people talk to me like, hey, I bought this reel and it's not, it's not feeling like it should be. I'm like, listen, but you bought a fake. So the fake products are getting more and more an issue. We try to, to stop it. I think we close every day one website. 
at oh, least. Wow. So, but that, that's an issue because they even ended up here in Belgium. People are coming to me like, hey, but this is not what it should be. I'm like, listen, but where do you bought it? So that will be the next. Oh, is when, sorry, uh, is it when they buy online from like yeah. eBay or, or what? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah on, online. That's everything online, for sure not in shops. Otherwise, uh, the people who will sell it, we, we have directly lawsuit for them already. I mean, the lawyers are used to do this thing. Um, but th that's a pity because fine, you, you can make a copy. And I understand big other brands want to say like, hey, we want to create a string similar to our, our, our flagship Allopower. I understand, but that's fair. They bring a different name and they're aiming for the same quality. That That's that's okay. But just making fake products, that's, that's not good for the market and also not good for our brand. Um, I really and regret it. for the consumer as well. Absolutely. But the consumer have to understand that the reason why we are so different from the other ones, first of all, we make it in Belgium. And something that people don't know is we also produce things for the medical world. So what we do is we use our medical standards for the whole factory. So uh, the, maybe it's overqualification for our products, but that's also what you see in the, in the, quali in, in the quality of the product. Um, and I think the better the player you are, or the more sensitive you are to the feeling of strings, the the more you feel the difference with with the, with our products and that that's also the, the response i get from a lot of people it's like yeah but it's not that much different until you're on court and try one set of of our products compared to a much much cheaper version and i think there are there bad no but it's it's still there is a quality difference um that's that's what i think uh, that's important for the people to know yeah, and and I mean it's there is the same issue in, in rackets and, and I guess all products these days that that they try to make counterfeit uh, versions that they try to sell cheaper, and uh, you know I mean it might look like the same there might be a few tells on the marketing and packaging uh, you can check for but it's you will definitely know when you when you start playing with the racket or the string yeah. in the, in your case, um, when it comes to to um, the product development cycle I mean you have. A lot of uh, strings now. Uh, do you think that this, the amount of, of choice, even for a brand such as, as Luxalon, is is it too much for the consumer, or what are you trying, you know, to make it easier for the consumer to know which uh, Luxalon string they should use? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's one of the things when I stepped into Luxalon, like wow, there's a lot of products, and it's nice if you dive deep into it. But even for me in the beginning. So the idea now is to reduce the amount of, of choices. Um, and in the Allopower family, I think it's, it's very clear where we want to go. So Allopower is a certain feeling. And there we want to make all Allopowers. And, and basically, only the difference will be the thickness. So you, you focus on 115, 120 in thickness, 125 or 130. Um, power soft, yes, because it's not the same string. Um, I mean, there's different chemicals inside. Um, and then the rest, we want to limit the amount. Um, I think I have the feeling that with the racket and string brands, there's so many things coming out every year that it's, it's, it's almost overwhelming. That like, let's do less uh, launches of products and focus on a few other things that are really what, what end consumers are looking for. So probably some strings will be dropped in the next years. It, it also obviously has to do with, with marketing and, and with, uh, with sales points um on global level 
Um, but, but we want to make the choice of the strings more easier. Um, but it's not that easy. A strings is pretty complex thing. Um, but that's one of my, my jobs to make it more easy and more approachable for the people. Um, it, it's also even even if you talk to to like really good string shops, they they still have to at least ten brands be only because of the records, and then take two or three string brands on top of it. So they have like we you know how many options they already have. Um, I know a lot of people are always like yeah we need at least allo power in our range. Um, what I like to see is that people are always having at least smart or or element in their shop as like a soft body, and once people adopt one of the two strings then we suddenly like i got feedback like yeah but why didn't i know it earlier like yeah but I'm, it's doing very very well um and i did this a lot in the in the paris area where i did quite some shop visits um and now suddenly there's a whole thing i have, I have people who are doing uh, 30 percent only with element 30 percent of all their strings is now element because they they just didn't know it's a, a nice it's just a softer feeling, but they still have the, the polyester feeling. Um, and that's something It's not always easy to go now to the shops or to the end consumer, like, hey, listen, you used to this. Um, there's always so much. Why should I have another one? I mean, there's so many things. And, and then we come to the part like you need to test it. You need to feel it yourself. And even us, we are play testing a lot. How can a shop who needs who, having a shop having stringing? How many times do they have to play test really new products? That's uh, something I wish I could do more. Like, hey guys, I invite you and I let you play with with these different strings. Um, that will be the ultimate goal. And I'm sure then people will be like, now I understand everything better. But that's that's the the goal for the next years to to make sure people understand it or feel it, experience it. Yeah, I think that that will help uh, get the knowledge out. I think you need to experiment and and feel it yourself. The difference of, of using a soft polyester, a hybrid setup, or many yeah. players uh, we talked about it before is that many players have never tried the feeling of a natural gut, for example, which it can be quite yeah. a, a a different approach and and you know open up people's heads. Like it costs a bit more money, but it it could be like a game changer for some players to use a hybrid with a natural gut or even a full bit of gut. Uh, for some that, that need more arm comfort and power, for example. One question I, I have around strings, because I, most string brands, they talk about power, and I'm, I'm talking about polyester strings. And you have Allo Power, obviously the most uh, famous one. Um, why is it called power? And shouldn't it be more Allo uh, Control? Because I think it's the, the power word is weird when used with a, with a polyester string. I always thought that was a bit strange. And I, and I see it in the marketing packaging of other companies as well, that it's, they, they, they release a poly that's 100% focused more on control and perhaps a bit of, of spin, but mm. it's, it still says the power level is up to 9 or 10, you know? Um, so why is that? Is it because it's a more marketing, marketable word or other ideas? Um, that's a very, very fair point, Jonas. I, I totally agree here with you um, because I'm wondering this question too. Um, I, I think the, the, the big difference is and now we're so many years after Guga, 97, when, when I think after he won winning Roland Gross with polyester string, polyester became more popular to the, the whole world. So people are like, hey, what is this polyester string and what does it give me? 
Um, that's that's how much we need to go back. Before that, it was much more multi. And what people intend to do is, when you talk about the properties, they always compare it in, in their own uh, string category, category, which means polyesters. So within the polyester families, we talk about power. We are not comparing power to a multi or a synthetic gut or a natural gut. So that's that's where, but that's never written on the package because you always compare within the, the polyester families. Um, so the Allo Power, the name comes from compared to the original, our first big banger, the, the first big uh, big seller. So we improved the power part compared to the previous polyester string. That's where it's coming from. In the meantime, I think a lot of the things on the packagings and everything is is obviously uh, marketing. Uh, I'm I'm more a, I have a scientific background, so I'm more into like hey, what does the string really bring me. Uh, but in general, yes, polyester strings will give more control and have more spin potential instead of power. So I, I do agree with that. If you're looking to all the strings, the whole string families, but if you're looking into the polyester family, then things are, can be very different. That's why uh, people call things soft. Well, what is soft compared to polyester or compared to the standard polyester string that what people claim to have a round shaped uh, polyester, for example. Um, I think there's a very huge difference. Um, if I could choose, I would educate everybody on it and would be clear that it's on every website, but unfortunately it's not that easy. Um, I hope it could change in the future. Um, so power, yes, it's power compared within the polyester family. Doesn't make sense to you, but I'm saying here. Or yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I kind of got that. That was the point because I know uh, Big Bang original was was stiffer and uh, mm -hmm. a lot more control oriented than the all the power string. But uh, still, I, I I meant not only in the Luxlon case. I also meant for for other string brands because I, my opinion is that they they just find the word power is what most people look for and whether it's related to the poly or not. But they they feel like using power is easy marketing because people want free power that's what most people want and more advanced players they will look for control but generally they would know then that that's what they're getting with a with a more control oriented polyester string um what i wanted to get into as well was um the kind of the product development cycle for you i mean how often do you change your kind of product lineup and, and how long is uh, is the process and do you have anything new in the works that that's going to be exciting for the next for next year um yes we have i think we have very exciting products coming up um something is ready but we didn't think the, the moment is right to launch so that will be even for 2022 so there is something really different um what, what we want to do now in the product line is like we don't want to make another basic polyester just uh, here is another string it should be something that people feel that's different uh, and that's something that people look for. So my job is obviously also to understand like, what are the needs in the market? Um, yeah, is there a possibility to make the ultimate string? We think with smart, we, we, we tried it, um, but there we, we think some people still don't understand what smart can do because it's much more exciting if you do a little bit longer testing. Um, people were not expecting it, or maybe some people are just not ready for it. Um, how long does it take? It depends a little bit um, 
on the on the concept of ideas like we are, we have we are doing things we have ideas for within the next five years but before we have a string ready yeah let's say from idea to having a string in production it can take three four years easily so uh, but producing a string fast yeah but the, i can tell you i've been on court with strings that like five minutes no this needs to be out and then it's up to the factory to do something else so uh, um, it depends some things are going fast other ones are not that easy um, but let's say we are working now on, on things for at least the next years uh, what can i tell about next year um, not so much yet <laughs> i'm actually not allowed um, no, but i, I think it's, 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 it's exciting after the summer things will come um, probably it will be will be released a little bit earlier but for the the end consumer market you have to target september something will come um so it's not that long actually but it's i mean in in terms of like you're looking long time in advance so for me the string is already finished uh, obviously and, and everything else needs to be done because besides making technically a string there is there is still the whole marketing thing that's behind it like okay and uh, explain it to the people and, and then bring it into the market but that's for us th this job is done for by wilson um so i'm looking like my job finished when i approve the string or we are all agree that this is the string we want to go to market so um but it's more complex than people would think like hey uh, i want this kind of string can you quickly make it uh, it's not that mm -hmm. easy uh, <laughs> But yeah, a lot of testing in advance uh, to know where you want to reach. Um, but here again, as I said, we don't want to make just another polyester string. I think that's important to know. Um, I really like. I, I think it's um, it's important that it's it's focused on innovation. I think that's that's also what I like with the smart string that it's it has kind of a bold idea which i completely agree with because i i mean a lot of players that i consult with and talk to on a daily basis they have some kind of arm issue whether it's from a, their own technique but a lot of it is kind of a combination of getting the ball late and playing with the wrong setup and a lot of players are using really thick polyesters with um with pretty high tensions like remarkably high tensions because maybe they used like a multi-filament back in the day and they used it up to 28 kilos uh, or you know 59 pounds something like that and and they felt like okay i'm changing to the polyester i'm going to use my go-to tension and suddenly you have tennis elbow uh, because that's not the re i mean the polyesters were not meant to be played at that tension one do, are there like typical mistakes you see as well or i mean are there other issues you see that players do on kind of club level uh, when they choose their string intention that you encounter um, I think you have a very fair point there. Uh, in general, it is what you see is people used to play multi. Um, but I'm guilty as well. Up to three years ago, I was playing 27 kilos. Why? Because it was normal. People did it. Uh, I did uh, just other power in the mains and then a softer, I mean, in this case, element or M2 in the crosses, so a softer poly. But what, what I see, if, if you go to the local club stringers and everything, people are like, yeah, I need something that stays long in my racket. I don't want to restring too much uh, and they don't want to spend the money on it, which I understand. But here, 
I think there's a big task for the stringers uh, involved, um, but also from our point of view as producers, we want to need to give more guidance. Um, since since we have Allopower, we, we state on our packaging minus 10%. So let's assume you you use, you played multi or whatever string on 27 kilos, minus 10% is you almost end up with 24 kilos. So that's already a big drop in people's mind. I do understand, but that's at least what what's needed. So I think there the tension level needs to be dropping to give people an impression. Today on the Pro Tour, the average tension is only 22 kilo, only 22. I mean, you, you can, I see very weird things. Um, you see Jason Sock dropping to 14 kilo, but I think we, we broke a new record this Roland Garros. Um, with with Manarino, I, I can I can share his name. He dropped his tension to 9.5 kg. I mean, uh-huh. within the stringers, there's always a joke like, who has the strongest arm? Because you can just pull it with your arm instead of using a string machine. Obviously, it's been strung correctly with with the machines and everything. But that then people cannot even believe it. But you know, last year you won tournaments with it, so an ATP tournament it means it's working. But you see the opposite. You need you see Strichova. She's playing the original at 36 kilo, and then you're like, how is it possible? She's a small small girl. She wins Wimbledon in doubles. She's number one in the world in doubles, and she's doing completely the opposite. But then people are like, yeah, but why are you giving them advice? But then it's important to understand that it depends play, what is their game style, what are they aiming for. Don't forget Strichova has an extreme good touch because it's super control frame, but it's a larger frame. Um, and because she hits the ball so clean, there will be never issues. But if you're looking to the normal consumer in, in the end, end market uh, or in the normal club player, I think the, the biggest mistake is the tension is too high. Yes, at least drop. I would directly go two, three kilo. And then people will feel really a difference. I hope they feel the difference. And the second thing I advise now is like people intend to play 125, 130. Uh, fine if you're a string breaker. If you never do anything, then put 115, 120 in your racket in thickness. Go very much thinner. And once you first break your 115, fine. Then you can change maybe I need it longer. But if you break 115, and, and you do six months with it, then it's perfect. Because in the end, you need to restring on time. Otherwise, you will you will create more issues than, than you would imagine. Um, so the advice here is uh, go thinner in, in thickness, and it will give you benefit. You have more feel. You will you will you will experience it. Uh, and that's something I it take it takes me in my, in my group of friends or, or the people I know on the court uh, a much longer time than than you would expect. It's not like, hey, just do it. Uh, people are not that easily convinced. But once they, they did it and they understand why I advise it, then, then it's like, oh, it really benefits my game or I really have much better feeling and uh, it will give absolutely less issues uh, for your arm or, or shoulder because we always talk about tennis elbow. I think it's not very correct, but it's also shoulder and everything else. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, always. It, this is all nice if you already have the right racket. <laughs> that's that's very important because we can have the perfect string but not the right racket. Then we are still far off where we where we should be. But go lower in tension and a thinner gauge. 
um, and only increase the gauge, the, the thickness of the string, if you're breaking. Only then, I think it's my advice. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I tried the Allo Power 1.15 um, in uh, in a Burst Storm Tour or something like that, semi-open pattern, and it had really nice durability, better feel and comfort for me. So I I, I, ne I never really tried such a low because I was always worried that it would be, um, you know, I mean, I don't break strings that, that often, but it still mm -hmm. would be like that it dropped tension too much uh, too soon. Uh, but it didn't. It was, was very nice playability. Uh, regarding um, polyesters going dead, you know, I mean, how often should players restring? And these are typical questions that I get on a on a weekly basis uh, from players. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could give you now a clear, fast, easy answer. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> there, that's there's also, none, I, I, I got the question every week as well. Um, um, I I don't experience that much because I'm I'm changing strings too fast. I think uh, I do understand when people say like, "Hey, the polyester feels dead," but then the question is, what does it mean, and who's talking to you? Um, if the string is more than one year in your racket, then I think we have to stop the conversation directly. You need to restring. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Is that that that's the basic? I think. Uh, but then it's also how you handle your racket. I mean, now it's getting much colder in Belgium, but some people, they have the racket in the, the, the back of their car and then like yeah, they're just driving around and then they expect that the racket will have the same properties. But just the fact that it's getting very cold in the night and then you expect it to hold, there's a reason why <laughs> the brands are making thermoguard or uh, conditioned things for their rackets and strings. Um, that's one thing. Um, I, I think here, and I, I talk to a lot of people in the world, like, okay, what is your advice? And, and everybody's using the same advice. If you play one time a week, at least string one time a year. You play twice a week, at least twice a year. I personally, if, if I can give really advice, at least per season. So now winter season is on, but once you're ready to play back outside, let's say end of March, April, this is for Belgium, then at least restring before you start into this moment. Because then, then the conditions will be different. Uh, you're ready to refresh. The same you do with your your maintenance or your from your car. Or you have winter tires and summer tires. I mean, there is a reason for it. There is that people do it. Um, if you're playing four times a week, you should pay more attention. Again, what racket do you do? And and take care a little bit of of your equipment in general. Not not only about the strings in this case, but it's also how you what you do with your frame, uh, just let it being around in the car, I think is not a very good thing. Or in this, we had a very hot summer in, in Western Europe, leave your strings just in the car. I mean, it's not that the string itself will be affected, but it's the frame, everything will work a little bit and it, it will have impact over time, I think. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. No, but that's interesting, and I, I think very good advice. I think a lot of players they don't pay so much attention, and I, I I generally also give the advice that if you can you afford it, I mean buy two, three, depending on how much you play, and if you're a serious you know tournament player or not, of course you need more, but have the, a few of the same racket, and when you restring, restring them all. Like let's say for a new season, you have three fresh str strong rackets. Then you can last the season with those three. You can switch in between them if you feel like something is dropping. You could even try different tensions and see how that feels. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a huge um, expense. I mean, you can buy used rackets or you can buy um, 
by like discounted models as soon as the, the new version is coming out. So yeah. why not put some extra care into your equipment? I, I agree with that and also that with the rackets because then sometimes people blame the string. I'm like, yeah, but are your rackets even the same? That, that I see with the club players. I mean, people are playing a lot and really tournaments, they, they already match their rackets. But I think it's important that uh, if, if this season you have one racket, you like it, you're going to play more next year, wait until the, the, the new versions are coming out. You can maybe do a good pricing on the old version or it's very similar, it's possible as well. Um, and then restring or my advice, what I see on tournament, local tournaments is a lot that people <laughs> switch their rackets in the middle of the matches. Um, for me, it's different because I'm play testing at the moment uh, and my, all my rackets are tuned. But, but these people are just changing for whatever reason. My advice is there, take one racket, racket number one, play it until it breaks or you, you want to cut the string out and then start using bracket number two, but not use them at the same moment. But then you can end up in a situation where you break two strings in a very short period. That's a, that's a funny thing I've seen quite more often than I would expect. That's something that's not common sense yet. Take racket one, play only with racket one, and only then start using racket two. I think that's important as well. Um, and if you- Exactly, I mean, I, good point. Because then you can easily, otherwise you can't keep track. So you, you won't yep. know unless you're, uh, you know, filling in your sessions in an Excel sheet, um, how long you've played with one string and the other one. So you will completely mix it up and then it will be hard to detect. So I completely agree that if you number, let's say you have three rackets and you put numbers on them, you would string them with the same string, for example, and you're playing and then you would know, okay, racket one now is, is I'm not feeling the same amount of control or I, you know, broke the string, whatever. I go to two, put yeah. the other one for the stringer and then, you know, keep doing that. I think that would be my main recommendation for most uh, half serious club players, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it will also help them a lot. Like, as you said, you break racket one, you continue to play racket two. In the meantime, you drop it with the stringer. By the time racket two is finished, racket one is already back. That's that if, if you do it correctly and, and you don't need to rush in two days, probably. If you break more, then then maybe you have to look for racket number three. Only then it makes sense for me to have a third racket. Um, from my point of view, um, does everybody need two rackets? No, I don't say they have to. But if you want to take care of your equipment and you you would complain about it, <laughs> then at least do it. I mean, it's it's not as expensive as people would expect. Um, uh, I also see, and that's an interesting thing, is that people think some products are so expensive. Um, but think about it. If you pay for an Allopower between 25 and 30 euros to restring, um, you do it twice a year, it's still not the biggest cost of whole tennis sports. You know, that, that's something that people don't understand. And don't forget, if you put something wrong in your racket, you can do much more damage than you can imagine. Assume that you, you do it 130, uh, at, at 26 kilo and you will create an arm issue how much will it cost to go to your physio and to get your arm fixed or you're not able to play for a month if you listen correctly like because things like that then the cost is 10 times higher than just making sure that the equipment is correct so finding the right shop with the right guidance would, would, would is, is really important I think from my point of view that will help a lot for the club players yeah, I agree. And I think like that, 
I mean, if you if you consider how how expensive courts are in most kind of Western Europe countries and, and uh, other places, uh, just putting in like a few extra euros to get the right string and put it at the you know a stringer that that produces good quality if you don't string yourself. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. I mean, it might be something that saves you from some kind of injury in the end or or yeah. something that makes you win a match that you have lost. So I think definitely uh, some some attention needs to be put uh, with the equipment. Uh, before I, 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 I move on, I, I would uh, ask you about like the, the role of natural gut uh, today. I mean, is it diminishing? I mean, you're still producing quite a lot of natural gut. I know there are a lot of pro players using hybrids. There are very few pros, if any, that use a full bed of natural gut. But what's the role in modern tennis of natural gut strings? Um, well, full bed, um, I think no one is using full bed anymore, except Kim Kleisters, because she's doing it for all her life. So that's what I don't see anymore on the tour because modern tennis, um, in general, for the club player or the normal consumer, I think they should consider using it more for sure. I know there is a big cost, but the advantages um, is so so much more because whatever other multi or synthetic guts or whatever is claimed, it's not even close. Whatever they aim or try to do, I understand they want to make a copy, but it's. I think it will never be possible because it's a natural thing, handmade. Uh, but looking that on the tour, um, that's a question I had myself for many years because when I was young watching uh, people like Sampras, you saw them breaking strings. You don't see that often anymore uh, on the tour, on, on TV, when you're watching, like, do they never break strings? Oh, the pro tour people are really breaking a lot of strings, but they're switching rackets faster um, before it could break. Um, where are we today with, with natural gut on the tour? Um, if you take 100 players, 26 are using natural gut in their in their rackets. So 20, one out of four players is playing natural gut. I'm talking with ATP, WTA together. Um, and from this 26%, it's 14% who are using natural gut. So it's always a hybrid combination, by the way. Um, but 14% is in the mains and 12% is using it in the crosses. I think it's a, it's a very interesting thing. Um, why yes or no, or what is the, there is a huge difference putting in the mains or in the crosses, depends on the player style. Um, I think with Roger, uh, the, Roger Federer, there's the, I mean, he's using it in the mains. I think that's a well-known thing. You can easily find things that online, uh, but it, depending on the player, how they feel with it, or what are they looking for in their game. So there, I don't want to comment, but, as, as I'm, I'm, I try to explain when I'm doing presentations about strings, it's like, yeah, but natural gut is the ultimate string by far. And people are like, yeah, but you know, then then the question came like, but why does not all pro players play with it? I th and I said, yeah, that's a fair question. And there's, there's a few reasons in my mind, or at least a few things I, I think could be the reason. Uh, obviously, cost reasons. If you're a top 50 player in the world, yes, you make money. And then your management or who else can pay for and cover the cost or your, your uh, sponsor. Um, but if you're number 300 in the world, things are very different. You can, you can hardly bury the costs of traveling. Uh, you need to take care of every single euro. Um, that could be the reason, cost reason. But 
there is a technical thing. Does everybody is able to control or play with natural God? Is this the feeling they have? I, I think with Guga looking at his style back in the days, natural God was maybe not a solution. So that's something we cannot influence. But um, what I also see is that younger players, uh, if you're today uh, 15 or maybe 18 years old, like a top junior in the world, uh, do you have access to natural gut? Did you ever practice it? Are you now in off-season or whenever their off-season is? Did you ever practice with natural gut? Or what are the things you should consider? Um, we are still talking about tennis players and talking about the previous example. Pro players are not easy to switch. Once they're a certain age, they don't want to touch too much the things anymore. They like a certain setup. Um, and natural gut, I think, is never considered as an option because I think it's too expensive and what will benefit my game. But let's assume you would invest in natural gut and you win suddenly three more rounds, three more like super close matches, you win them. Suddenly you make the jump, you're, uh, you're seated, you're, you have easier draw. There is, the difference could be so big. Um, so my advice there is like, hey, if you're good juniors or you're more into it, try it at least at, at least see it there is from my point of view also a disadvantage um you need to also be the player who, who's taking care of their equipment not all players are the same uh, they just like give me my racket i'm used to this one and that's it but looking at roland garros this year um looking at the special conditions because it was really special i think uh, we normally the tour is not playing it in this cold or this humid uh, situations we saw some pretty strange things happening. Um, and then natural gut is much more, could be much more influenced compared to a poly to the, the, the conditions. Um, so if you're playing in your well, super hot and dry compared to a wet clay court thing, uh, that, that is a big difference. But it's it's up to the player to, to understand it because if they have the confidence that this gut is giving them the advantage, there is no reason to not play it. If it fits your game and you need to test, again, test, test, test is the is the key here. Um, but I don't know if, if that's what, what your audience or, or what you think about it. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic uh, feeling when you play with natural gut. Um, and I mean, for many, I guess it's a cost issue, but if you're not a string breaker and you have put a premium on feel and you're one of those uh, guys or girls that, that try and buy a lot of rackets, I think definitely uh testing it in a hybrid is is uh, a very good idea because say once you you try it might be hard to go back actually uh but if you have an um, a budgetary issue it's better to kind of get a reel of of the polyester strings and stick with that uh, but but you can get a softer string of course there's a big misunderstanding because i know one set is expensive but you have to divide it by two because you only use half of the set yeah uh, exactly uh, I, because I've, I've access to some some tour data, I know some things. But I can tell you, a top ten player and and uh, also in doubles top twenty players, these players are breaking faster alu power than natural gut. So you have to understand that uh, this it looks like yeah, it breaks super fast. Well, not for everybody, for sure not. Uh, again, it depends on who was this player. But these are examples on the Pro Tour. They're breaking faster Allo Power compared, and it's not Allo Power 115 to be clear, and not 120. So um, they're not breaking. They're breaking the natural gut not before the Allo Power. So 
the durability is something that people should feel themselves. It's not as bad as people would expect, to be very honest. Uh, I'm also not a big string breaker. Um, I, I I think I, if if I would pay for it, I really consider it because why not? It's it's really giving so much advantages compared to other strings. Something that people should keep in their mind. Uh, yeah, as you said. That's great, Andreas. Uh, actually, I have uh, a hard out because I have another meeting here uh, okay. that I need to attend to a lunch thing. But uh, we should definitely do two par part two of this because we can probably keep talking for like five hours. Uh, <laughs> I, I find yeah. it very fascinating to, to listen to you and, and to discuss these things. It's, it's really what I'm a nerd about. So I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, let's do part two later on. Uh, well, for me, it was also exciting and it's nice to share things. Uh, and, and yeah, I like it. And so. you're you're doing um you're planning to do some kind of uh, of uh, thing on, on microsoft teams you're, you're doing a, like a talk about strings is that that's still planned uh the idea is that, that the coming monday i would like to do a, an invitation uh everybody who wants to access it should send me their email address and i will do a presentation about the evolution of tennis strings from when it started up to where we are today and then go over these basic things about what are the basics uh, families of, of, of tennis strings. That's what I want to cover in like a 45 minute presentation. And obviously I have time for uh, to answering uh, personal questions afterwards. So yeah, feel free to join. I, I will definitely join. Um, how do you um, how do you sign up? How do you get in touch with you? Is um, the, uh... I, I will post uh, this evening. Um, well, I will post uh, the invitation online and then uh, they can send their email address to, to mine which is andreas.bergen at luxlon.be um, and then I will send you a personal invitation. Great, very good. All right, I will say thanks for part one of this uh, very fascinating um, talk about strings and other things tennis related. Uh, thanks a lot for your time and um, will be nice to, we'll keep in touch and, and catch up very soon, right? Okay, thank you very much, Jonas, for your time. I'm uh, looking forward to the next one.